0: Bada bing, bada boom. We're talking about a very viral case today. This has been highly requested and it's honestly quite controversial considering the fact that it's just a lot. I mean, some people actually debate if the supposed charged killer is a killer. Maybe they're not. It's a whole ordeal. And at the center of this case is a woman by the name of Courtney Taylor. Her real name is actually Courtney Clenny and she is most, well, well, Prior to this, she was most well-known as an OnlyFans model. She has over 2 million followers on Instagram. She was featured in G-Eazy's music video, Me, Myself, and I, with BB Rexha. Yeah, she was on Playboy. Was she like a main person? Yeah, one of the main ones. Really? She has, uh, now with OF, she's made over $3 million in just two years. That's like $1.5 million a year on just OF. That's not including Instagram brand deals, other revenue. And there's a whole controversy surrounding the money that she's made. And it's not because people are out here thinking, Oh my God, what are we teaching these young girls out here? Oh my God, the girls shouldn't be in charge of, you know, doing what they want with their bodies and then profiting off of it. None of these overplayed arguments but the main controversy has been that from April 2022, very recent last year, to August of 2022, Courtney made about $40,000 on OnlyFans in just four months. It's so like about $10,000 a month, right? The only problem is Courtney made all of this money on OnlyFans after she was accused. Of stabbing her boyfriend to death in April of 2022. So she kept posting four months after her boyfriend died because he had a knife in his chest. He was literally stabbed to death. And she kept posting. She kept making money. She was Mm. out there. She was actually running around town in Hawaii doing a lot going to bars. So let's talk about the viral case of Courtney Taylor. She is often known as the OF model that has been arrested and charged with murder. As always, full show notes are available at RottenMinglePodcast.com. This case is currently unfolding as we speak. Nobody has been convicted of a crime, but there has been an arrest and a lot of damaging information has come out since since the arrest. And I mean, it's damaging in my personal opinion. So as with all cases where the defendant has yet to be convicted of the crime, and you know, the trial hasn't even happened yet. So we really don't know what's going to come out during the trial. If there is something that will magically explain away or disprove all of the evidence that we've seen so far, which personally, everything that's been released so far is not looking good. So I don't know if there's going to be a magical solution where I'm going to be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But I will say the defendant is adamant that they did not murder anyone. Okay, keep this in mind. And there's some Julia Fox drama in this one that gets kind of bizarre. Do you guys know who Julia Fox Do you know who Julia mm-hmm. Fox is? She was the one that allegedly dated Kanye West after his split with Kim Kardashian. A She's model. a model, personality, and now podcast host. She's actually very well-beloved, but I do think that um, she made a mistake with commenting on this case because it was kind of a very opinionated one. But with that being said, I guess there's just two things to remember going into this case. One, it is still developing and we don't have all the information yet. I mean, maybe we do and nothing really comes out during trial. Again, we just don't know. And second, regardless of any information that may or may not come out, someone has died. Like, they bled to death before they could even turn 30. They they passed away before they could even really start living. And I think that in and of itself is just so devastating for their family and friends. There's a lot of audio clips of the victim before they passed away. And just listening to it all, it's really hard to not sympathize so much with this person and with their family. And you can't help but get kind of angry for them, kind of riled up. So I'm going to include the victim's family's GoFundMe linked in the description because once you hear the full extent of what this family has gone through, not just with the case itself, but with law enforcement, it's ridiculous. So with that being said, let me tell you what's going on. That day was supposed to be a very normal day. I mean, I guess that's how it all starts. Courtney, the OF model, she was watching some true crime YouTube videos. While doing laundry in her apartment, and then she went on an Instagram Live and she was answering all these questions. People kept asking her, You know, where do you see yourself in five years? Courtney allegedly responded something along the lines of, I hope to have a kid by then, at least one kid. But the series of events that take place after she ends this Instagram Live, they're gonna change her life forever. Meanwhile, Courtney's boyfriend, Christian, he is looking at all the missed calls on his phone from Courtney. He had already told her that he was going to go downstairs, walk to Subway, and grab subs for the both of them. And now he's standing in the elevator that's taking him to their 22nd floor Miami Skyrise apartment. And, you know, he's thinking to himself, this is crazy. Like, I know Courtney's Subway order by heart, yet she still doubts my love for her. The elevator opens directly into their unit, which is kind of crazy, but it's one of those high-end apartments. So the elevator doors, they open up, and he hears Courtney screaming bloody murder. He wasn't even surprised. I mean, not even shocked at all. This was a normal occurrence for him. But within an hour, he would be dead in the skyrise with a knife sticking out of his chest inches above his tattoo. The tattoo on his chest read, Courtney. Wow. So let's go all the way to the beginning. Courtney has a pretty intense online footprint. She was, like I said, featured on Playboy in a GEZ music video, but she was most well known for being an OF model. She's also kind of slightly controversial even prior to all of this. You know, people either hated her or they loved her, The red pill men of the world, they probably hated her because she was so open about her sexuality and the fact that she was profiting off of her own body. She made millions of dollars and she was very happy about it, very proud of it. And she famously said in a podcast, I only like black guys. Let me clarify. I only date rich black guys. Which I'm sure was triggering to a lot of people. Some people were triggered by the fact that she only dates rich men. Some people were triggered by the fact that she, as a white woman, was fetishizing black men. Or they were triggered by both. But on the same podcast called We the Miami, Courtney talks about how she likes to be submissive. She likes to be submissive intimately, but doesn't like it when men tell her what to do outside of the bedroom. She also briefly touches on the fact that she makes a lot of money on OF. Again, $3 million in two years just on subscriptions, not including other things. So people either loved her for being this girl boss that was taking charge of her own body and being transparent, Or they hated her for being what they deemed a vapid LA model who only cares about money. But what's interesting is when I saw these clips of her on this podcast, which was relatively recent, literally like weeks before the death of her boyfriend, the change in her personality throughout the years was kind of intense. Like from that podcast forward to today? From her G-Eazy music video and Playboy days, to that podcast today. Mm. And even her transformation after getting arrested has been a hot topic, but it's just really intense. So back before all of this takes place, back before OF and before even LA, Courtney was just a small town Texas girl. She was born April 21st, 1996, but Courtney would find herself like the epitome of a Texas girl. Growing up, she freaking loved Southern festivities like mudding. (laughs) Okay, so I grew up in the South And this isn't something that I was that familiar with until maybe after my childhood, but it's when you get into a truck. Some people do it in ATVs and you drive through this really muddy, wet terrain. Hence, it's called mudding. You go through these muddy areas and you start spinning your tires really, really quickly. So you fling mud everywhere and it just splatters all over you, all over the trucks behind you. Courtney freaking loved that. That was like her jam. That's her pastime. She also really loved southern food. She would constantly say southern food is the best food of all time. And her weakness was Whataburger. It's like a popular Texan fast food chain. That's like her guilt meal. So Courtney was originally born in Midland area. Her family ends up moving to Austin, which is where she grows up most of her life. And it's, it's a pretty small family unit. The Clenny family was mom, dad, Courtney, and little sister Morgan. That's it. It's just the four of them. But they're really close. So Courtney's dad, Kim finance guy. He's been in finance for over 15 years. He's a financial advisor. Later, he would be the financial advisor of Courtney's assets and her personal finances. So she really, really trusts her parents. She depends on her parents a lot, not just financially, not just for advice, but for everything. Courtney's mom, Deborah, was like her therapist on speed dial. If Courtney ever felt conflicted, sad, upset. You better believe Deborah was on speakerphone giving her advice or calming her down. It was kind of to the point where if Courtney got into a fight with her boyfriends, her mom would be on speakerphone in the middle of the fight with her boyfriend, which is kind of odd. Okay. Just keep that in mind. So in Austin, Courtney really finds finds herself i guess she just has this strong interest in sports that's like most of her childhood i don't know how to describe it other than she kind of has this obsession with sports she dips her toes in the water as being a girl scout but eventually she tries literally everything soccer volleyball gymnastics diving horseback riding side note i feel like her parents had to be pretty good financially because that's a lot of sports and those are a lot of expensive sports unless they just spent all of their money On Courtney, I mean, he was a financial advisor. It sounds like they were doing really well for themselves. Now, Courtney would later joke, as an adult, the reason she was blessed with such a big butt was because she played a lot of sports at a young age, particularly horseback riding. So one day, Courtney tells her parents, Mom, Dad, I'm going to grow up, and I'm going to be an Olympic diver one day. That's her dream. She wanted them to support her and everyone took it so freaking seriously. They went to every single diving practice. They went to all of them, all the swim meets. She's going to grow up to be an Olympian one day, they said. And then out of nowhere, Courtney was like, I'm not doing it anymore. Why? I'm scared of sharks. What? She said she was too scared of sharks in the pool. Even Courtney herself acknowledges the reason that she was scared to dive because of sharks in the pool was a silly reason But it seems like a trend with Courtney and I don't know because I don't know her personally but from all the research that we've done it just seems like Courtney is the type of person if I can guess or speculate that once she has something in her mind like a fear of sharks in the pool or like she's gonna move out to LA and do this once she has something in her mind I feel like she's a bit stubborn and nobody can convince her otherwise if she thinks that there's some damn sharks in the pool there's some damn sharks in the pool once Courtney gets to high school she's miserable. Just everything starts falling apart in high school, and I'm not sure why. She just starts feeling like a social outcast. She has a hard time making friends, and it resulted in her feeling lonely just all the freaking time. She said high school was torturous, and she could not wait to get out. She hinted at being bullied later in a YouTube video where she was doing this Q&A about high school. She says, and I quote, My hit list is very long, let's just say that. She's got a lot of problems with a lot of people in high school. She just wants to be an adult. She has all of these things she wants to do. She wants to be a model, a sports personality, a businesswoman, a YouTuber. She doesn't really know exactly what, but she just wants to get the fork out of high school, get out of Austin and do something with her life. So in high school she becomes obsessed with fitness. And she said it was a result of her just being so angry all the time. She needed an outlet for all of these things that were going on in her life, so she kind of becomes a gym rat. I mean she was already very athletic, but now now she's getting into like fitness guru territory. I'm not just talking sports, I'm talking counting macros, micros, like all of that. She said the gym helped her find her peace and it it saved her life as a result. I should also mention Since we're talking about it, Courtney has always been a very beautiful girl growing up. She's had long blonde hair. She's five foot eight. She's also developed quite young, which might be pertinent to the story later. And with her conventionally attractive looks and her passion for working out and sports, Courtney felt like she could do something. She starts taking small roles in movies as a teenager. She was like an extra, extra Like, she didn't even have a name. So in a lot of the credits, she would be, like, sorority girl one. Mm. And then there's, like, five sorority girls, sorority girl two, right? She didn't have any lines, really, but she would always play some sort of cute sorority girl, barista, you know, all of these things. And she was in some big ones, like, Everybody Wants Some, That's What I'm Talking About, uh, American Psycho. In 2013, she was even an extra in a Pepsi commercial very interesting. After graduating in 2014, she packs up all of her bags and she's like, look, I'm so sick of being an extra. I want to be something. Okay. She moves to LA. She's 18, moves to LA with not that much money. I mean, she's clearly chasing something at this point. Nobody at that age just moves to LA to pay a million dollars in rent and eat at Erewhon. You're trying to do something with your life. Okay. She really wanted to be famous. So she just starts kinda doing a little bit of everything. Social media, modeling, YouTube, college, and her big break, if you will, was the GEZ music video, me, myself, and I. She didn't even audition. GEZ's photographer saw her on Instagram, reached out through a mutual friend, and was like, hey, do you wanna quickly be in a music video? We're we're filming like soon. She was so freaking over the moon. Okay? Yes, it's a music video. It's huge production, but more than that, Courtney was such a big fan of G-Eazy. And I'm not just talking like, oh my God, I'm such a fan of your stuff. She actually went to his concert before he was even G-Eazy. He just went by his real name, Gerald. She had gone to his concert when she was 16 and on YouTube, she said, I was able to go backstage and I asked him to quote, sign my tit and he did. I don't know what to do with that information. So she's very excited, but she's not getting her hopes up. She doesn't think it's going to be this crazy role. She assumes she's going to be maybe one of the millions of girls in the music video at like a house party, like house party girl five, right? When she gets to the shoot towards the end, all the extras are asked to leave and she's told to stay. She ends up playing a slightly bigger role in the music video and she's handing Jeezy a cake and then standing next to him up against a wall while he's like feeling himself. It's like a whole thing. It wasn't even the longest I've ever seen someone in a music video, but it, it kind of helps propel her career forward. This is G-Eazy's fourth most popular music video in his entire career to this day. I think right now it's sitting at uh, nearly 600 million views. And ever since then, Courtney is flooded with questions if of if she slept with G-Eazy. To which she responds, I've met a lot of famous people and I don't smash them. Either way, The music video, Courtney's Instagram, social media accounts, they start taking off. And she's like, wait a damn minute, maybe I should be a bit more serious about this. She starts posting daily on Instagram. She started following a bunch of these models online and she's studying what do they all do? How are they all making, you know, big money? She realized they post every single day and they post a bit more sexy photos. So that's what she started doing. And her big career moment was a little bit awkward. Her dad calls her. It's like, hey, uh, why is Playboy posting you? What? She's like, what? She opens up an article by Playboy. And sure enough, the title is Courtney Taylor is your typical girl next door. She literally looks like a girl next door. Wait, how is the dad? like? I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I know. I had that thought too. I'm like, either this guy's got his Google searches on or I guess he's doing what he wants to do, right? Okay, so just to give you an idea, because there's a lot going on. This is her when she first moves out to L.A. So you can see the girl next door kind of energy, Uh, correct? Like the girl next door vibe. This is her in the music video. So there's a whole article talking about her Instagram account, and it's including pictures of her. She really does fit the girl next door vibe. And this is when the girl next door vibe was America's obsession. I mean, it, it still is. But this is like Kate Upton times, you know, I'm talking American flag bikinis, blonde hair, like that type of vibe was everyone was obsessed with it and (laughs) really gave me a lot to think about. Okay, Anyways, she fit that. So between 2015 and 2016, Courtney and Playboy, they would interact with each other here and there online. Playboy would constantly include her in these like big articles of top 10 influencers to follow, top 10 Instagram, like girl next doors. And every single time she would get like 5,000 more followers at just even the mention of her name in an article. So Playboy, they really want to book her for a nude photo shoot. They keep asking, and she keeps declining. She said, I'm just not comfortable. But a few months later, Playboy told her, okay, fine, not nude. Let's just do a feature. Her career blows up. She starts her YouTube channel at that moment because this is great. This is good momentum. And most of her channel is focused on healthy habits, exercise routines, fitness and lifestyle content. She loved doing Q&A sessions on YouTube, but I don't think it was her ultimate dream to be a YouTuber. She was just using it as a way to dip her toes into the industry but you can definitely feel this girl next door vibe just radiating through youtube she feels relatable she's like this blonde bombshell but she would share these little snippets of her life where she was waving at a guy and walked into a fire hydrant and she's so clumsy and cute you know she seems very nice but maybe there's a lot more to courtney than her online persona so let's dive into some of her relationships or at least some of her semi-public relationships and This is like a whole new chapter of her social media career. I feel like she had the G-Eazy girl next door phase. And this is the chapter where she kind of goes full on into the bodybuilding phase. The fitness guru phase. She starts hanging out. A lot with bodybuilders that won like Mr. Olympia professional men's bodybuilding competition. She starts competing in several regional bikini competitions herself. By 2017, she's a certified personal trainer. Like this woman is kind of a businesswoman. The minute she gets that certification, she's like, I'm open for online coaching on youtube she thought about one day launching her own fitnesswear brand and she said her biggest aspirations in life were Lori and barbara from shark tank so they're both business moguls with nine figure net worths and oprah winfrey a billionaire she said these were her inspirations in life she wanted to start her own business sell products be a mogul like these women interestingly Courtney does mention that she feels an extra special connection with Oprah, and it's not because she's the billionaire of the group. She said that she admired Oprah because Oprah had been through so much, but was able to persevere, build a better life through her struggles. Courtney adds that she too went through these similar struggles. Side note, it is a very well-known part of Oprah's story that she was molested by her cousin, uncle, and a family friend since she was just nine years old. So, leaving a lot of Courtney's viewers wondering if she had maybe endured some sexual trauma at a young age, somewhere even connecting the dots of like, oh, maybe that's what caused her to be sexualized at, to an extent when she was just a teenager. Maybe she endured some sort of trauma. Around this time, Corny's love life is like a huge topic of conversation amongst her viewers. They just want to know, are you dating anyone? And she always gets asked, like, what's your ideal type? Who do you like the most? She said, I like someone built. I like someone tall. But you know what? I prioritize honesty in a relationship and a sense of humor. She says, and I quote, I like a man with confidence without the cockiness. So a lot changes because this is what she says in the beginning of her career and later, like right before the death of her boyfriend, she's like, I only date rich black guys. So Mm -hmm. it's like a lot of different shifts in her online persona or maybe her personality or maybe she just grew old and grew up. I don't know. But she was kind of a hopeless romantic at this stage or at least she portrayed herself to be. She always talked about having kids, how she personally would never feel fulfilled unless she was a mom one day. She said she wanted a big house with a big yard and a dog and just like a funny, kind partner just to take on life with. So these are all like her like YouTube videos, mm-hmm. like personal telling YouTube videos. She did um, a lot of Q&A. There were a okay. lot to come through. And towards the end of 2016, Courtney starts hinting at a boyfriend. She never really shows him too much in her videos. Like you'll see random snaps of him in videos or like in the corner of the frame. He would be in the passenger seat of the car while she's driving and vlogging. But it was enough for people in the fitness community to ID the guy as Sean Roden. A winner of the coveted Mr. Olympia contest, which is this no huge... Way. Yes. He's the Mr. Olympia? Yeah, I think there's like a every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but yeah. he was the Mr. Olympia. Wow. For a year, which is a huge deal, right? Yeah. But Sean... He never even really talked much in her videos. Maybe he was shy. Mm-hmm. Courtney would always say that he's very sweet and chivalrous towards her. Come to find out, their relationship was far from perfect. There might be a reason that Sean wasn't in a lot of Courtney's videos. Sure, he might be camera shy. But it turns out that he was already in a very serious relationship with another woman at the time. He had just had his first child with her. And this is where things get weird. What? Maybe Courtney knew this. Maybe she didn't. But people were stitching together timelines. And this is completely alleged and purely speculation. But around the time that they allegedly broke up, Courtney allegedly found out about the other girlfriend And Sean, at the same time, sustained a broken jaw injury. It's speculatory, but a lot of people speculate that Courtney had been the one to break his jaw because she found out about the other woman. We don't know if this is true, but if it is, I could see why Sean wouldn't report her to the police. The fitness community is small. He probably doesn't want his dirty laundry out there. But additionally, I imagine with the culture of bodybuilding, there, there might be some victim shaming. If he were ever to come out as a victim of domestic violence, I do think that people would question, why don't you stand up for yourself? So we're not really sure. Years later, Sean would have trouble of his own. He was charged with rape, banned from ever taking part in another Mr. Olympia contest ever again. He also passed away in 2021 from a heart attack. Now, for Courtney, she continues on with her life, and the more time that she spends on social media, the more open she becomes about her sexuality and experiences. And this part, I don't think anything's wrong with it. I know some people bring it up. I think it's fine. I think the fact that she was an OF model, like, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I do think it's weird that she kept posting after the death of her boyfriend, but other than that, up until this point, there's nothing wrong. She was very open. She talked about what she went through, how... Even though she was athletic and a tomboy, she didn't want to look like that. She said that she always wanted to feel sexy. She even started wearing a Victoria's Secret bombshell bra when she was just 10. She said she always liked the curvier look. She admitted to having a foursome at the young age of 19. She said the other participants were in their mid-20s. She shared a lot of intense hookup stories about hooking up with other girls and making them bleed on accident because she had long acrylic nails on. She also states, and I quote, I'm not a lesbian, but I have crushes on certain types of girls. So there's that. You kind of see Courtney go from being this southern girl in LA, spending most of her time talking about fitness and her diet, to later embracing more and more of her sexuality. She starts adopting a bit more of that bad girl persona. Whether it's true or marketing for OF or maybe she just grew up a bit, I'm not sure which one. But now that we have a good overview of who Courtney is, her come-up story, and now she's on OF, she starts her next romantic relationship in the midst of the pandemic. She meets a Christian Obamselli. He was often lovingly referred to as Toby from his friends and family. That's his middle name. And Christian was also a native Texan. Born in Dallas in 1994, so he's about two years older than Courtney. His dad is a technician, his mom was a nurse, and there's just a lot of similarities between the two. Similar to Courtney's family, his family is super tight-knit, and Christian was like this all-American guy growing up. He was the youngest in his family. The whole family had this big, vibrant energy about them. Christian was a football player for his high school team, and his coach said, I had the privilege of working with Toby while he was at Plato East. His talent was evident the minute that he stepped onto the field. His work ethic was off the charts. His goal was to play beyond high school and the kid always just had a smile on his face. He was willing to help the younger players every chance that he had. So everyone that knew Christian, they really only had good things to say about him. I guess if you had to pick one bad trait, if it could even be a bad trait, people said he really liked to help people perhaps to his own detriment. He just wanted to be in college football, though. That's his goal. He works hard, eventually earns himself a football scholarship, transfers to Texas Tech, where he starts studying engineering, and he's just one of those students that had a ton of interests and a ton of passions. He likes engineering. He's interested in business. He's driven. He's still playing football. He wants to graduate, start his own business one day. And then, May of 2020, he meets Courtney. They both meet in Mexico while they're on vacation. A lot of people said it's like love at first sight. The minute that they laid eyes on each other, they're attached at the hip from the get-go. For the first time, Christian would run home to tell his family about this new girl that he'd been seeing. And his family, they were kind of shook. He had never really brought home a girl or even came home to gush about a relationship or a girl before. So you could literally feel the love that he had for Courtney every time he talked about her. They're kind of happy for him, kind of shocked because they've never seen this side of him. He would whip out his phone and show them pictures asking his family, isn't she so cute? Isn't she so cute? Now, a lot of guys might have been embarrassed or thrown off by Courtney's career that she was an OF model. Or maybe they would have not been embarrassed but hid it from their parents. Christian did not. I believe his family were pretty traditional Nigerians. So it was especially, especially difficult for him to bring up the topic. But he respected Courtney. He expected his family to do the same. He didn't find that there was anything wrong with her career. He even told Courtney, if there's anything I can do to help you with work, if you ever need it, like, I'll help you out. So he tells his family very proudly what Courtney does for a living, which is crazy because remember how Courtney is so close with her family? They don't even know that she's doing a left. They think that she's making all of this money from modeling. So he tells them repeatedly he's very, very serious about Courtney and they accept her with open arms. In 2021, Christian and Courtney move in together and they decide to move in Austin, Texas. So she's back from L.A. And it seems like they're moving kind of fast, right? They met in 2020. They're moving in 2021. And it's kind of interesting. This is a side note, completely unrelated to the case, but I've heard a lot of relationships that started during the pandemic tended to move faster. I don't know why. I feel like that's like a trend in all the cases that I've been researching, but also just in personal life. Everyone that I know that started dating in the pandemic, they're like getting engaged. I'm like, what happened? Literally what happened? I guess something about the pandemic makes people spend more time with their partner and they're like, let's just move in together. So they move into Texas and their relationship starts spiraling. So at first they're inseparable. They're in love. They're so well-connected. I mean, people were actually worried about them. They're like, you guys need to go outside more. You cannot just be the only person in each other's life. You guys are turning into hermits. This is not okay. I don't think this is... You can't be each other's world, but it doesn't last long. People who knew them said they were that couple. You know that couple. No matter where you go, doesn't matter how fun, exciting, happy the energy is, the smallest little comment, the smallest body language hint, boom, one of them just Get set off, and they fight all day, all night, in front of a group of friends, in public, in front of you. They don't even try to hide it. They literally don't care if you feel uncomfortable that they're fighting, and you're just like, "What is going on?" They might even get you involved, like da da da. This person did this. Whose side are you on? What do you think? So, it's a lot. Now, let's talk about some of their most notable fights. The Vegas trip. July of 2021, Christian and Courtney go on a trip to Las Vegas. While they were there, they get into this explosive fight where police are called to their room. They're staying at the Cosmopolitan Casino and the first few days are spent soaking up the desert sun, having a few drinks, lounging by the pool, and a few of -of out-of-town friends, they even fly into Vegas to join the couple. And the couple, they get matching tattoos on this trip. To me, it sounds like they're having fun. So a few days into their trip, Courtney's feeling a midday slump. They just had lunch. They were in the sun. She's drunk. She's tired. She's asking Christian, can we go back to our room and take a nap before we got dinner plans with our friends? So while they're laying in bed, I guess they start arguing just about the little things. They had kind of gotten into a small argument the night before and maybe Courtney felt like they weren't over it. So she lays in bed and she asks him, babe, do you hate me? Now, Christian is honest. He says, no, of course not. I'm just a bit disappointed with the trip, that's all. I think that this is a completely normal, healthy conversation, if not even a relatable conversation for a lot of couples. He's reassuring her, no, I love you. But also, I'm going to be honest that I'm feeling a bit down about the way that this Vegas trip is going. Like, I had a completely different idea. Christian would later tell the police that he was just hoping the Vegas trip would be a bit more fun, a bit more exciting, more action. He felt like all they did was sleep, drink, lay at the pool, sleep, drink, eat, lay at the pool. And it was just all of the days that they had spent in Vegas so far had just meshed into one. Courtney confirmed this. she said the night before they actually had a whole argument about it. But she added that this fight was not because Christian was upset with her because the Vegas trip wasn't good. But she claims the fight started because he called her a bitch. This fight over something seemingly so minor not the bitch part, but just this whole Vegas trip part, detonates. They're both screaming at each other full force. I mean, to get noise complaints in Vegas, I'm assuming is pretty hard. They're throwing things at each other. They're trashing the entire hotel room. Courtney decides to call the security herself. She said that she just wanted help de-escalating the fight. She told them that she's not scared for her life or anything like that. She just needs help de-escalating. Police get called out to the scene and we see body cam footage of the room and it's destroyed. Yeah, there's chairs are upside down. It's messy. Food is thrown about. Clothes are thrown about. The couple were separated and interrogated. Courtney admits she threw a glass at Christian out of pure anger. She said that she was upset that he didn't want to sleep in the same bed as her after the fight. The glass just barely missed his head. The police then asked Christian if Courtney ever attempted to kill him and he slowly shook his head no. But because Courtney admits to throwing a glass at his head, she was going to be charged automatically with domestic battery. Courtney starts panicking while she's being arrested and said, I just don't feel like I should be getting arrested right now. Is this an overnight ordeal? They said, it's a 12-hour hold. A 12-hour hold? She starts panicking and almost pointing the finger at this point. She says, okay, there's just a lot of things I didn't say because I didn't want to get Christian in trouble. At this point, can I just get a hug from my boyfriend? There's just a lot that happened that I didn't want to bring up. She wanted a hug from him right now? Yeah, I guess she's trying to show them we can make up and maybe if he indicates to you that he's not scared of me, then you don't need to arrest me. I think she's trying to say this was a mutual argument where both parties were heated. I think that's what she's trying to insinuate. But the police didn't care. She did not accuse Christian of doing anything violent towards her. Christian did not admit to doing anything violent towards her. All we have is her admitting to throwing a glass at him. So she's going to get charged. She realizes this and she starts whipping out all these random things. She's like, I have a UTI. I'm on my period. She starts randomly asking for things that, I don't even know if it's considered making excuses, but she starts asking to speak with her mom. She asks for her vape. She even says that she's got to go take a poo. It's a lot. So in the end, she's arrested, put on a 12-hour hold, but she just keeps repeating, okay, seriously, there is so much I didn't say because I didn't want my boyfriend to get in trouble. This is important. She was released 12 hours later and no charges were pressed. Now, there are a lot of ways that people are interpreting this incident. The main consensus being that, see, she's abusive. She's been abusive. This is proof of that. But her defense attorney is trying to argue, no, this proves how far she's willing to go to protect her abuser, Christian. So her defense attorney is literally digging his feet in the sand saying that Christian is the abuser. So I'm going to let you come up with your own theories. The defense attorney is insinuating that he was far more abusive than her than she was in this Vegas incident. Not a lot of people are buying it. But one thing is very clear from this incident. Their relationship is not headed in the right direction. Courtney was also often seen on social media with bruises on her body. Nobody in her comments was really saying anything about it. I don't know about her DMs, but it seems like nobody was making a big fuss about it. There weren't people creating videos of like, is Courtney okay? There weren't people commenting and stirring up conspiracy theories. But she would very quickly address the bruises by posting on social media. Is it just me or do women always have random unexplained bruises on their legs? Maybe I'm just clumsy or I'm a peach. Some people say this was her leaving evidence that she was being abused. Some Mm -hmm. people would argue... It's a little manipulative. It seems like she's trying to draw attention to the bruises when nobody... Noticed it? Yeah, Mm. I guess. I don't know. People have very mixed reviews about it. But after Vegas, the two are pretty miserable. They're nonstop fighting, making up, repeating the vicious toxic cycle. And this is really sad, but it always seems like Courtney is the one getting mad at Christian, and he's always trying to make things up to her. Allegedly, he would write these handwritten letters and... Some of them were found in the condo torn up, but they were really sweet and kind of very sad in hindsight. So they read, you are honestly the sweetest and most annoying person ever, but I would never trade you for anything. I'm guilty of not loving you like the beginning. And over time, I'm guilty of making you not love yourself. I'm guilty of gaslighting you to any level and mentally abusing you. I turned my pain and hurt into something. I turned it into a habit here and I couldn't control it and acknowledge it because of the pain and hurt, which was never of hurting you on purpose to the point of rage where you throw things and say things and even call your mom as a lifeline. I'm holding myself 100% accountable for everything I am. I want you to know that it will never happen again. And regardless of how I was treated, I should always love, respect and cherish you. Now, we don't know what happened behind closed doors, and I don't know if we'll ever know the truth because only one party is still alive to tell their truth. But you know how Christian refers to treating her badly and gaslighting her in the letters? A lot of people don't actually think that he gaslit her. They speculate that maybe Christian was gaslighted into thinking he was gaslighting her, if that makes sense. Again, I don't know. These are just speculations. Some people think that he was led to believe that he was the one ruining the relationship. And I'm sure that he did some toxic things too. I don't think that there is ever an innocent person in a relationship. But that is just speculation. Because let me tell you what happens next. October 9th to October 11th of 2021, Courtney and Christian get into yet another explosive fight. Courtney speculated that Christian was cheating on her. She sends him numerous text messages just... Yelling at him, being upset with him. And she would say things like, Hey, you're pissing me off. And it was a lot. It got to the point where the fight escalated. Courtney beat Christian with a phone to his head and stabbed him in the leg. Stabbed him in the leg. Using, I don't know, a knife or scissors, but we know he was stabbed in the leg because there's evidence. Christian texted her after this incident and said, The crazy thing about all of this is that yesterday when you fucking stabbed me in the fucking leg and you saw how bad it was, how bad it was hurting me and I couldn't even walk, I couldn't do shit and you were telling me, I wish I could take your pain away. I wish it was me and not you. The next morning, I still woke up happy and I still gave you a good day even though my leg was hurting because you stabbed me. So you're telling me you can't do the same thing the next day for me and say, shit, whatever happened last night is last night. Today's a new day. Because that's what I do for you. I woke up happy. I took you to Vegas to get your redacted. I don't know if it was drugs, but it's redacted. Drove right back, helped you with your shoot. Drank with you, did blow, aka cocaine, did blow with you just so you could have a great day, and I'm doing all of this while my leg hurts so fucking bad. Did I make you feel like shit for stabbing me? No, I just sucked it up and I hope tomorrow would be better. She does not deny stabbing him in the leg after these text messages. Now, the two do not part ways after this, but instead, Christian gets a tattoo of Courtney's name on his chest. And this is not me blaming Christian for staying. I think this whole thing is just very toxic. I think add into the element that Christian seems to be a male partner that is a victim of domestic violence, it just adds another layer of complexity. I think for women, it's already so hard to identify yourself as a domestic violence victim. You just feel like this is your relationship and things aren't going well and you can do better. We can all do better. But I think it's even harder for men to identify ID themselves as a victim of domestic violence. But we do know that Courtney seems to be embracing it. She posted a TikTok that was captioned, him showing me a hundred red flags and me, and it's her dancing with her tongue out. So either she's enjoying the toxicity of their relationship, or at least she's aware of it enough to make a joke out of it. So you're like, okay, wow, can it get worse from here? Yes, it absolutely can. So in 2022, they moved to Miami together. They had gone to Miami for a vacation once and they're like, Texas sucks. This is the place to be. Florida is amazing. The sun, the weather. I think, speculation, they put a lot of hope into this Miami move. Their relationship was rocky. It wasn't going well. And I think on this vacation, they realized they're getting along. It's so sunny. The sunny and the palm trees are putting them in a great mood. They're like, Miami is the place for us. So they pack their bags. They decide to start in Miami. Their ultimate dream was to move to London eventually, but they really liked Miami. They got this beautiful apartment in the 22nd floor of this Skyrise apartment in Miami that had unobstructed views of the bay. Like from the outside, their lives are perfect. They're living in a $10,000 a month luxury high-rise building. To give you an idea, this unit, the elevator opens up directly into their apartment. Into like an elevator room is what they call it. It's like a little foyer and then you have another door. But it's not like a thick door. This is literally their own elevator. They had their own private balcony with unobstructed views of the water. And Courtney explained, you know, she works from home. So having a home with a view is very important to her. This is the dream. They can work from anywhere. They can travel. They can afford life's greatest luxuries. They're in love. Or at least they should be. And I don't know. I imagine moving to this new environment should be the most exciting part, right? At least a period of bliss. But it wasn't. Text messages from that month that they moved to Miami, show completely otherwise. Their fights have gotten worse. The texts indicate that most of the fights ended up with Courtney getting physically abusive with Christian. He would send her messages after the fights with extensive lists of his injuries and wounds, and in response, Courtney would acknowledge her actions, but she doesn't even seem to be that sympathetic. For example, Christian would text her, Now I have a lump and I'm bleeding. I'm throwing up. I got a mild concussion and I have anxiety. I slept in the restroom and I think I got a mild concussion and I just, I'm lost beyond words. She responds, I'm sorry for hitting you in the face in the back of your head and spitting on you. Is that right? No, you just, you piss me the fuck off. But I still love you. Other fights resulted in neighbors or bystanders getting involved. February 1st, 2022, Courtney and Christian were planning on buying cocaine that day. It's presumed by the end of the day, Courtney was both drunk and high. Christian was downstairs in one of the public amenities of the apartment building. He's sitting and watching some football in like the lounge area. Courtney's texting him and he responds, yes, Courtney. So whether she was like, hello, right? She says, yes, Courtney, that's unnecessary. The two get into this explosive fight in the common area. He eventually gets sliced in the face by her. But I don't know if this is when they get back to their unit. I don't know. But neighbors start to take notice. One of the neighbors even pulled out his phone and recorded the fight that was taking place. He said it was shocking. A lot of couples argue. They get into it. But not physically like that. We just started hearing them arguing. She was being very aggressive towards him. And there's even been a video that's been released of a neighbor who was watching them fighting and walking through the amenity area. And he could see straight down. So it's like Mm -hmm. an overview shot of them. And he said that you could hear them from 12 floors up fighting and yelling. And he said it looked like Courtney was threatening to jump in the water at one point. Christian was injured during the fight. He ends up going to the hospital that night and Courtney texts him. Hopefully, this will give you time to think about your actions. Enjoy your time at the hospital. We don't really know what caused this fight, but it clearly escalates. And she's telling him at the hospital that he's a gaslighter. And she even says, I have to continue explaining to you how to act. In the hospital, he's getting medical attention for two slashes on his face. He's completely ignoring her. And I guess this is when she kind of freaks out. She texts him again to ensure that he doesn't say anything to the doctors. She says, tell them your side and I'll tell them what happened, Christian. He responds, I'm not saying anything. I'm going to say it's a football accident. He was discharged from the hospital, but I guess Courtney wasn't around when he got back because he texted her. I was in the hospital looking forward to seeing you and you go drink and leave with someone else? When your boyfriend is passed out on the bed getting stitched up because I lost so much blood? Through text messages after this incident, we do see Courtney feeling a little bit more apologetic. She is nonstop apologizing for this event. She's texting him, I love you so much. I should have been at the hospital with you. I should have slept with you. I have always loved you. I feel extreme sadness, regret, humiliation, and I'm just so sorry for hurting you. Again, maybe this is why Christian couldn't leave. You know, abusers typically love bomb you and apologize to the moon and back after hurting you. They just want you back in their arms. The couple mutually agree to continue working on their relationship and they're going to move on from this fight. But if you look through Christian's phone, you'll notice that after this incident, something changed. I think he realized that his life was in actual danger He starts making hidden recordings of their fights. He would film it with his phone in his pocket. He would leave text messages that would voice his concerns for how violent their relationship was getting and leaving what prosecutors would probably deem a trail of evidence behind to show the court how things were escalating. February 2022, Christian and Courtney get into another physical fight. Christian ends up recording the audio from the inside of his pocket. Through context, this is what we gather. They're spending time with their friends. And on their way out, well, while they're with their friends, Courtney gets into a little fight with one of their mutual friends, like an argument, a disagreement. I don't know how bad the fight was, but Christian ends up siding with the other party. Now, again, I don't know if it was like, a, no, Courtney, you're wrong, I agree with this person, or if it was like a, hey, Courtney, like maybe there's two sides to the story. I don't know how he sided with the other party, but this feels like a real fight that any couple could have. But the way that it escalates is not normal i mean there's a million ways that courtney could have expressed her anger for not feeling like she was being supported by christian but instead we have this so i imagine this audio clip is when they're on the way to their car they get into the car heading back home after meeting their friends please i'm sorry for all you stupid you will never hear me doing that was not right for me to do that please baby don't you will never protect me i will somebody was being horrible to me You jump, Okay, what? just tell me in the car. Get just away from me. from me! Get away! From, get away from. stay here. You're gonna... Your dogs are... See, your dog. see? Oh. I that stay here? I, I can, promise you I won't do anything. Every time I ask you for help. Are do you guys, you guys in a relationship? Yes. Yeah. Not anymore. Okay. I can play it again, but just to give you context, it's a bit longer. On their way back home to the Miami condo, after the bizarre situation with the friends, they stop the car and they start fighting. They're fighting so loudly, so aggressively, that multiple bystanders felt the need to get involved. The audio itself is really alarming. If you guys are just listening to the audio version of this podcast, the best way to, I could describe it is unhinged. We see Courtney go through multiple different emotions back to back to back, and it's alarming. It's alarming. The whole time, Christian is heard being patient and calm. He's not instigating a fight. He's not trying to egg her on. He's not trying to have like a, no, but you did this conversation. In the beginning of the audio, Courtney could be heard almost whispering, threatening to end her own life. Yeah. So she's saying things like, I'm going to kill myself. And he keeps pleading with her, babe, please get in the car, please. I'm sorry for calling you stupid. It wasn't right for me to do it. And she says, I'm actually going to kill myself. Baby, don't kill yourself. Then she starts full on screaming at him. You would never protect me. Someone was being horrible to me. You defend everyone but me. And he's saying, get in the car, please. And she's screaming, get away from me. Your dogs are in the car. So we hear throughout the audio, Christian tries to get Courtney's love for her dogs who are waiting for her in the car to get her back into the car because she's just out in public right now causing a huge scene. But she keeps arguing with him. See, you just stay there. And she's screaming, every time I ask you for help. A bystander approaches them and can be heard in the audio clip saying, you guys in a relationship? Christian responds, yes. Courtney says, not anymore. She starts talking to the bystander and then eventually thanks him for being concerned about her and apologizes. And the bystander is trying to diffuse the situation and is like, no, 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 you don't need to apologize. I also have problems in my relationship too, bro. Like, shit happens. Courtney says, he just broke up with me and the fact that he's bending down now, that is how he makes friends with everyone. So I'm assuming maybe Christian was hands on his knees, like kind of slouched over, like stressed about the situation she's upset with him for acting like a victim in this situation is kind of the vibe that I get. And and the bystander is like, no, 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 it's not about that. And she's screaming. Yes, it is. She then turns to Christian. Cause I guess he said something and she screams, shut up. She mumbles something before saying Christian literally got into her car. Then she keeps apologizing to the bystander. And it's just, if it feels very abrupt, I, I do think that she was going through a lot of emotions The way that I can best describe it is just listening to this audio and as a complete stranger, I would probably go to the other side of the sidewalk. Like, I'm not sure if I would want to be near her at this point just because it feels very unstable as a bystander. She keeps screaming and both Christian and the bystander are trying to get her to calm down. Christian says, Cece, just stop, please. Okay, I'm sorry, please. And she's screaming, no, you always make yourself look good to other people. No, no, it's I'm not. It's my fault. The bystander is like, ma'am, he said it's his fault. Courtney, just come on. Courtney, please. Your dogs are in the car. Courtney ends up taking off, just running off. And the bystander sticks around to give one last warning of sorts to Christian. He says to him, because Courtney's not around, that shit ain't normal, bro. So this complete bystander is telling Christian like couples fight, but that's not normal behavior. Christian doesn't really respond. He just runs after Courtney and you can hear her wailing in the distance. I, just, I no, man, you guys don't have the problems that. I have problems with my relationship, too, bro, right? <laughs> and, and shit happened. He just said he broke up with me. So the fact that he's look, bending look, down, look, 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 this is how he makes friends with everybody. Really? No, it's not about that. Yes, it's it is. I'm not, Shut look. up. This, this is you literally just said, got in my car. When you're upset, look, I'm like, oh, I'm like, sorry. Pay i like, So do you see how she's, like, angry, and then she starts apologizing for her emotions, maybe? When you get a ball. I can't. Cece, just stop. No, this is be- okay, I'm sorry. No, you will make yourself look good. No, I'm in not to be. No, it's my fault. He's not, he's not, he's not, he's not, he said he's it's his fault. Courtney, so, just come he, on, bro. Courtney, please, your dogs are in the car. it ain't normal my bro so she's wailing in the distance after she runs off he chases after her and he keeps apologizing he's saying cc i'm so sorry and she's like you are not sorry like fuck you he's like just look at me i'm sorry i should have never made you feel this way i'm sorry she starts screaming you're supposed to protect me now, another bystander approaches them and asks, Is everything okay? Courtney responds, No. And she tells them, I guess, a small snippet of her version of events, and they ask, Do you want me to call the cops? Christian says there's no need for that, and Courtney runs off again. This time she's running back to her car when Christian catches up with her. She can be heard threatening him, almost, "My dogs better be in there." So maybe they left a window or a car door open in their fight. I'm not sure, but he's reassuring her, like, "They're right there, Courtney. They're right there." And we hear a slap. You're supposed to protect me. Listen, I know I'm sorry. No, oh, both my dogs better be in there. That- You are so lucky about my dog hitting me. You Shit. are still cuz you let my dog like, you. my dog. My bad. My dog's okay, are my bad. I'm just making No, not your bad. Give me something better than my back. Oh, I'm bag. sorry. Okay, Courtney, just stop. Don't it. Never do that again. Okay, just stop it. It's okay. Stop- yeah, she's just yelling about her dogs and she's slapping him and he's asking her to stop slapping him. She's upset about her dogs being left alone in the car. He's trying to argue with her. I had to leave them in the car because I was chasing after you and she's still upset. There is no reasoning with her. We do hear what sounds like her hitting him again and he keeps apologizing like, okay, I'm sorry, but stop hitting me. So from the recording... I, you can tell that Christian is getting frustrated, but it does seem like he's trying to help Courtney. There is no point where he's trying to instigate her, egg her on, make the situation worse. But she's just getting so angry, she's really just not open to seeing any reasoning. He tries to calm her down. He tries to tell her about the dogs. Her behavior seems completely erratic and completely unexplainable. Now, I did see a question circulating online, which is what if Christian is acting this way because he's recording and he's out in public? Maybe he's just better and smarter at hiding his true emotions in public. So maybe Courtney is reacting this way because she feels crazy that he's just playing the victim now. And I can kind of see that argument be true in some cases or to a certain extents in other cases. But I don't know. Okay, this recording, like, I don't know how you can really explain this away. Like I know sometimes toxic relationships make you feel crazy, but this is just a lot and it gets a lot worse. And the reason that I bring this up is that there have been a lot of controversy around the fact that some argue that Courtney was also a victim, if not the only victim. So even Julia Fox, a huge social media personality, got a bunch of backlash for going on TikTok and commenting that Courtney stabbed her boyfriend in self-defense. That garnered a lot of backlash. She ended up taking it down. And it's just really complicated because I do think that there are a lot of things at play. A lot of information hasn't been released. The trial hasn't happened. The defendant is maintaining her innocence. But also, I think that maybe there's a narrative issue with the fact that the victim is black. But we're going to get into all of that. Maybe if it was just this one audio recording, I could maybe believe this narrative that... Courtney was the ultimate victim. Maybe I could try to like force my brain into it. But there are so many bizarre instances where Courtney is the primary aggressor. I'm not saying Christian is perfect and I'm not saying that Christian was not toxic, but Courtney really comes after Christian. So this audio recording was taken early February of 2022. The next incident is February 21st, 2022. So the same month, just like near the end of the month. Probably the most infamous clip that is associated with this case is CCTV camera footage from ...from the elevator of their Miami high-rise building. You can see on the CCTV camera... ...that it was taken at around 8.30 p.m. And you can see Courtney entering the elevator first pressing the button to her floor and as soon as Christian enters, she's visibly upset. She starts aggressively slamming against the elevator and starts slapping Christian on the chest, his arms back, even his head. And at first, Christian doesn't fight back. He had one of his arms up to kind of shield himself from it, but That was about it. The more she keeps going, though, he decides he's got to do something. So he grabs her in a headlock and just kind of holds her there. She still keeps slapping him around. Towards the end, he starts aggressively shoving her off of him and shaking his head. And they're both arguing while they're fighting. There have been some debates because Christian is kind of seen smiling in like a little bit of this footage, whether it's like a stress response, whether he was taunting her, I don't know. But regardless, she definitely hit him first and he did not hit her back. He's just pushing her a little aggressively off of him, but that's it. And you can clearly see that they continue fighting once they enter their apartment. There is no explanation for why this fight happened, nor do we know how much further it escalated, but this video says a lot because this video is able to concretely illustrate Courtney as an abuser in the relationship. I'm not saying the only abuser, but as an abuser. So even as she's throwing punches, Christian initially is not fighting back, never raises a hand to her. So at the very least, they're both abusive, but at the very worst, she is the primary abuser and he the victim because later Courtney seemingly tries to paint it as she is the ultimate victim in this. This video kind of proves otherwise. I think this will be very hard for her defense attorneys to talk about in court. It's also speculated that Courtney was high during this altercation because, again, her behavior is incredibly erratic. But not long after this fight, Christian texts Courtney voicing his concerns. He just wants to talk about how their relationship is evolving. He writes to her, Just so you know, I woke up feeling like shit and feeling stupid. Not like stupid as in our relationship, but stupid as in like what I told you the other day. Is love gonna kill me? Like, I know both of us have sacrificed a lot for each other, but I can only talk about what I sacrificed. I've sacrificed my pride, my ego, sometimes telling myself how I don't need to win. Hey, just let her have her way. Say sorry right now, and even if she asks you to sincerely or with a threat... I've been there for you plenty of times more than I can imagine, more than anybody else that I could think of. I've cried with you, cried about you, I cried against you, but at the end of the day, it was all for love, and that's what I'm saying. Do you see that, my love for you? Do you actually feel it? Do you actually understand it? Do you even think it's real? I always think about, damn, man, okay, Christian, you took all of this, but why? Because you love her, okay? Time after time after time after time. I tell you, hey, please, like you're hurting me. And yes, you'll say, yeah, but then it just repeats. Like, what if the knife sliced my lip? What if it didn't slice my beard? What if it sliced my cheek or my eye? Like what might happen next? I mean, I pray that there's no next time. But yeah, I can see that you want to give me physical touch. I see it. And sometimes it's hard to not give it back. I think that's maybe not physical touch as in like loving touch. But I do think it's just at the same time, are you for real this time? Is this saying the right words or doing the right thing for a couple days and then if I say the wrong thing to you one day, it all goes away? February was the worst month I've had so far. I got cheated on. I got called that word again. I got slapped in my stitches that reopened multiple times and isn't healing fast enough. I've gotten kicked out. Memories of my girlfriend and I traveling have been thrown away. The apartment that my girlfriend swore to me and said regardless of anything we're not messing this up we're not messing this up we messed it up i'm honestly just trying to have a couple of things off my chest before therapy now um a couple of things i do think that it's important to note that he's trying to go to therapy i think this text message is also very heartbreaking and it's really It's, I think it's a clear window into the mind of a domestic violence victim. Just the way that he keeps doing all these mental cartwheels to try and justify her behavior. The way he also repeatedly tries to calm her down by mentioning his undying love for her. Even when he's expressing the pain of her violence, he's mentioning, but like, I love you. He's doing it very softly as if he's trying not to trigger her. And side note, a couple of things. I think the, the reference of messing up this apartment, I think that they got a lot of notices from the leasing agent that they're going to get evicted if they don't st- slow down with their domestic noise disturbances. So I guess, again, this is why I think that maybe Miami was like their saving grace. They're, oh, we're going to get to Miami, get, look at this place. We're going to be this happy couple, like the beginning when we first started dating. And then they kind of messed it up. And then also, side note, he mentions, I got called that word again. Courtney had a tendency to call him the N word, the racial slur, when they fought. He had texted her once, Your boyfriend is black and you're talking to him like that. Your boyfriend isn't dirt. Why are you spitting on him? Christian texted Courtney that. Because it seems like when they fight, she really goes really low. Barely a week later, March 5th, 2022, Christian secretly records Courtney again and she can be heard saying, I'm actually fucking not having a good day where I actually literally fucking want to kill you, but you don't take me seriously. Decide right now if you're done gaslighting me. He says, I'm mad that you told me I told you so many times that I don't know. I apologized and you hit me and she's heard saying, shut the fuck up. Other times, Christian would text her things like, but you hurt me, Courtney, you hit me. And she would just respond, shut the fuck up, bitch, don't say shit like that. So again, there's several interpretations you can get from these snippets of their relationship. The prosecutors argue that Courtney wants to keep the abuse hidden, hence the shut the fuck ups, right? And she wants to continue abusing him like any abuser would. Courtney and her defense attorneys would argue that Christian had a habit of exaggerating and documenting her side of the abuse while never acknowledging his side. So saying things like you hurt me, you hit me. Maybe she feels like I didn't even hit you. And so she would get pissed off. So she would respond in that manner. That is their argument. There are several other times Courtney yells at Christian to go to the police because she has stuff she wants to tell them too. Now fast forward to the end of March 23rd of 2022. This is one of the final couple of fights between the couples before they break up for a bit and then Christian dies. In an audio recording that was secretly recorded, you can hear Courtney screaming at the top of her lungs, going through what law enforcement would later refer to as a psychotic episode. She's screaming about how Christian went on a bike ride. And during that bike ride, he ran into one of Courtney's friends. He said hi to Courtney's friend, but when he got home, he failed to mention that he said hi to one of her friends. Her friend called her and was like, oh, yeah, by the way, I saw Christian today. Courtney lost her mind. She called him several racial slurs, screaming at him, threatening him, and she said, Beep, come here, let me slap you. Find my phone. Get me alcohol, get me alcohol. You're a fucking cunt ass. Beep, bitch, shut the fuck up. I need my phone. Don't touch me. He says, what is going on? Are you going to get this mad at me when I'm apologizing to you? No, Christian. Drop your act. Drop the high pitch. You talk to her. You know exactly what the right thing to do is. Yes, I know. I'm sorry. Get me my phone. You have your phone. No, I don't. Find it and charge it. And he's he's like, stop screaming. I'm sorry. And she's screaming, find my fucking phone and charge it. Just to be clear, she's mad that he say hi to a friend. Yeah, so this is where it gets a little bit confusing. Um, She goes on to say, you always wanted to fuck her, you fucking beep. You literally told me about it, and I was like, damn, you are such a... And she ends up spitting on him during the argument and she keeps screaming, you talked to her without telling me. He's explaining I was literally on a bike ride and I said hi to her. That's it. Like, my bad. I forgot to tell you, but that doesn't give you the right to call me a fucking beep. And she says, you are a beep. I think the recording speaks for itself. There is no justifying this type of behavior. Some of her friends would try to justify it by pointing out that she is extremely jealous in her relationship and Christian agreed that he would tell her about any woman that he spoke to on a daily basis. Like a daily report. But I guess he forgot about this incident. Now, it's also been said that Christian has, had been interested in this mutual friend before, which upset Courtney. It's just incredibly erratic and unhinged behavior. The exact timing is unclear, but according to Courtney, around this time, the two break up for good. But Christian would remain in the apartment complex. Now, this is where it gets complicated because they move into this apartment complex together. They both live there. All of his stuff is there. This is very much his home as much as it is hers, but she pays for the rent. So I believe, allegedly, she claims that she pays for all $10,000 a month and he pays zero of the rent. So she kind of just kicks him out. But he has nowhere to go, so sometimes he would sleep in public places inside of the apartment building. Sometimes he would sleep in front of the elevator that opened up to their unit, because remember, there's like an elevator room. But it's still technically private because not it's not open to the public. It's not a hallway. But they did break up, and Courtney even invited her mom to fly in from Texas to be with her. Some say it was to help her get over this breakup. Courtney would say that it was because she was terrified of Christian, who refused to leave her alone and refused to leave the apartment building. So she asks her mom to come, and it's unclear. So even Courtney's story seems to change a few times, but they break up, and then two days before the death, a big fight occurs. Again, the fight would happen in the early hours of April 2nd, 2022. Courtney comes down to the lobby. She had managed to lock herself out of her apartment. Christian was sleeping in the lobby and Courtney walks back into the elevator and I guess he's approaching her, maybe trying to get back upstairs or something. And she puts her hands up in front of her as if to say, stay away. Several witnesses, mainly the staff, they see this unfold. And also this elevator fight should not be confused with the previous elevator fight where she was the primary aggressor and she was like smacking him in the elevator. This is a completely new one. The security at the apartment, they see this and they call the police on Christian for a few reasons. One employee said that the boyfriend Christian was charging towards Courtney, so he called the police. Other employees said that Christian was already sleeping around in the lobby and he wasn't allowed to do that. And this incident just was like the tip of the iceberg. But the concierge did elaborate and they said they called the police because of Christian's demeanor. They heard Courtney say, oh no, do not come inside the elevator. The employee remembers asking Courtney... What do you want us to do with him? Because he just can't sleep in the lobby. You know, some of the residents are asking, what is he doing sleeping in the lobby? Like, do you want him to leave? To which she claims, no, I don't want him to leave. She states all of this. She just doesn't want him to come into the elevator. I think maybe she took his key and this was his chance to get back upstairs to that floor. So he's like charging towards the elevator is my speculation. Anyway, the police arrive and the employee continues by stating that he on several occasions asked Courtney if Christian should be kicked off the premise. She rejected The employee continued that Christian wasn't allowed in the common areas unless he's a resident, but only Courtney was on the lease, so he's technically not a resident. They said Courtney came down, and they just saw Christian charging towards her. They said, we actually tried to get into the middle of it. The boyfriend came after her, and we just said enough is enough. Police need to be called. She said she doesn't want the police called, and I said, when this concerns the common areas, I need to put other residents first. Courtney is seen on body cam footage telling the police I pay for everything. I pay $10,000 a month of rent, which he pays zero of. He has never paid a freaking dime of rent, and he has somehow made friends with everyone here. I broke up with him. He's like, my mom came out, okay? My mom came out to like help me break up with him, and I just couldn't do it. He slept in my elevator room inside of a couch. I hope that there's a camera. Like he slept inside of my couch in my elevator room, which is stalking because he's not supposed to be here. I want a restraining order. So now Courtney is indicating to the police that she wants Christian out. She thinks that he is stalking her. She is afraid. Which, side note, I am not trying to demean her feelings towards the situation. I think she can be afraid. Maybe she has every right to be afraid. We don't know for sure. But it's just a lot of different inconsistencies, I think. She continues, I just feel like I haven't always been the victim. But right now, I am a freaking victim. I'm so scared, I just want my dogs, I just want them, please, I'm so scared. Wait, she say, I haven't always been a victim? Yeah, so again, a lot of people think that it's... It's a weird way of talking. Yeah, and then later being like, I'm the victim. So while talking to the police, Courtney is holding her phone and her mom is on speaker. She even asks the officer to speak with her mom so that they can reassure the mom that everything is okay. She continues, I don't care what happens, I just never want to deal with this again. The police say they can't do anything about it. They inform her, yeah, you're the one on the lease. You're the one paying. But when you guys moved in together and all of his stuff is in there, it's technically his home. So we can't get him out because he's not trespassing. So the police are saying, legally, we can't do anything. Maybe the apartment complex can evict Courtney. Maybe they can try to get him off the premise. But they, as police, cannot say this is not your home because you're not paying rent. So they refuse to get him out of there. The police cannot forcibly remove him from the apartment is what they're telling her. But Courtney continues, I'm not comfortable. He's stalking me. My mom has been here for a week and she caught him in the elevator room sleeping. She went outside and saw something moving in there and she saw him. I just want to be exonerated, I guess. Like if anything goes wrong. I want him. I, I want a restraining order against him because I'm serious. Can I do that? Where can I do that? How can I make myself get one first? Because I know him. He would do it first. I've not always been the victim, but like right now, I really am a victim. I'm even scared to walk my dogs. It's important to note that even though the police repeatedly ask her why she feels so unsafe with him, she doesn't really give a clear response. That's not to say that she can't feel the way she feels or she doesn't actually feel scared, but she just dodges the question by saying she's not comfortable, which is interesting. And also later in the interrogation, when asked about how their fights typically start, she just brushes it off by saying, I don't know. I don't remember everything. I don't want to remember it. So there's two online interpretations of her actions in this fight. One group of people, Courtney and her defense attorneys included, are trying to say that Courtney here is trying to protect her abuser by saying she doesn't remember how the fights start. By saying she doesn't know and doesn't want to answer why she's so scared for her life. The other group of people think she's just trying to hide her own abuse or it gets really messy where she's not as innocent as she portrays herself to be. Also, the part where she states that Christian was sleeping in the elevator room, she makes it sound like her mom stumbled upon Christian and was so alarmed and shocked, right? There are text messages going back to a few months ago where Christian complained that she made him sleep in the elevator room after a fight. So again, I'm not saying that they can't be shocked, But it seems like this wasn't a first-time thing where they're like, oh my god, you slept in the elevator room? You know, like he had done it quite often before. But again, we don't know the full extent of their situation after this breakup. But the fight becomes very important to Courtney's defense later. They try to use this fight to show that Courtney was genuinely worried for her life. The police did not assist her in getting away from Christian. Also, the employees of the condo see Christian as the forceful one in this fight, as the aggressor. Even though he never raised his hand or voice at her, it is described that he charged at her, which gives off a very aggressive connotation. The police also note in their report that Courtney had several visible bruises on her arms and legs. They didn't look for more bruises, but they also added Courtney seemed to be heavily intoxicated and she was at least comprehensible though. Now, after Courtney leaves, the employee who called the police explains to the officers that he called them because it was clear to him that Courtney, the resident, doesn't want Christian here. He also mentions to the police, which Courtney did not mention herself, that Courtney herself is now in the process of being evicted due to extensive history of domestic disturbances. She was served eviction papers just a few days prior to this incident. But what's kind of shocking is that after this fight, the two end up making up. Christian post on Instagram and it was actually his very last Instagram post where he's giving Courtney a kiss on the cheek and he's talking about how much he loves her and within a few days he would be dead. Another 911 call was made from the luxury Miami high-rise apartments. This time, Courtney was calling herself. She's screaming at the dispatch that her boyfriend is dying of a stab wound. He had a three-inch stab wound in his chest above his Courtney tattoo. He was bleeding out, and he can be heard in the background saying, I can't feel my arm. I can't feel my arm. She's crying and saying, baby, I'm so sorry. Baby, I'm so sorry. The dispatch is trying to get her to focus on giving them the address so that they can get there, but she's distracted by apologizing. She doesn't, and it's actually Christian who ends up Giving the dispatch the address to their condo. No way. The police arrive minutes later. Christian is taken to the hospital where he would succumb to his wounds and pass. He was twenty-seven years old. And he was gonna be turning twenty-eight in a week. So what happened? Let's talk about the events. And it's a lot of it is from Courtney's side, Courtney's interrogation, so it gets gets weird. It's a Sunday, April 3rd, 2022. Everything starts off pretty pleasant for the couple. They made up. They're not fighting. They're sleeping in the same bed. They're saying, I love you. There are videos from Christian's phone that show him and Courtney just having fun that morning, dancing to music, lip syncing to songs. Their dogs are involved. Courtney starts dancing and you can hear Christian supporting her, like hyping her up. It's honestly the only healthy video that we've seen of them together. Later that morning, Courtney posts a photo of herself on OnlyFans, and it looks like she's at a plastic surgeon's office. But, disregardless in the timeline, it seems like that photo was taken and scheduled to go up, so I don't think she actually went to a doctor's office that day, at least not that we know of. As the day progresses, Courtney's doing laundry while watching a true crime video on YouTube. Then she gets a bit hungry, and they decide to grab Subway. Christian's like, oh, well, I can just go down a subway and grab subs for the both of us. He even recites her order before he leaves to make sure that he got it right. Courtney does not recall if he was walking there or biking there. It would have taken him 15 minutes to walk there. It would have taken a six minute bike ride. But Christian was gone for about 40 minutes, which honestly isn't that long because his travel time would take anywhere between 12 and 30 minutes back and forth and then waiting in line, waiting for the food, getting it, coming back. It honestly seems pretty reasonable. He leaves the apartment at around 3.55 p.m. He is seen on the phone with someone in the elevator and it doesn't appear to be Courtney. When Christian was gone, Courtney decides to check his location on the Find My Phone app. Find My iPhone. She goes into the app and she realizes that he turned it off so she can't track him anymore. He manually removed her access, but it made sense because they did break up a week ago, so he turned it off when they were broken up, and she knew this. But he had promised her that he was going to turn it back on, and now it wasn't on. So just six minutes after he leaves, she's blowing up his phone. She's calling him, demanding he turn it back on right then and there. She's calling several times, but he doesn't pick up. A few minutes later, Courtney pops on Instagram to do a live Q&A session. The video was up, but has since been taken down. She goes on live and starts talking about her nails, asking her fans to ask her dirty questions. She's dancing around in the same outfit she would later be soaked in blood in. One of your viewers asks her, where do you see yourself in five years? This is when she responds, I want a kid, a few houses, businesses, probably not OF, but we'll see. This question is so haunting because it's slightly reminiscent of a girl in her YouTube videos from way back when she was talking about these same things and dreaming about having a family and having this beautiful child and she ends the live. She says, all right, y'all, I got Subway, so I'm going to ditch you. I'm going to eat and yeah, I'm going to do like an OF live tonight. So if you want me to answer your question, just like put them in my last post. Like I'll see it. Love you. Thank you guys. Love you. Bye. Ends her life, calls Christian again. He picks up. Now, the rest of the story comes from Courtney, and she explains their plan, original plan, before this whole location thing. They were going to eat Subway, take the dogs on a walk at a pretty park nearby, have a cute little romantic date, and then she would go on OF. And she said that, you know, yeah, we had broken up, but we were moving on from it. We we were doing great, even to the extent of promising each other to never touch each other physically again like that, out of anger, Christian promised her to never gaslight her again. She would also later say that the incident when the police were called was just the apartment lobby employees wanting to start some shit, which is weird because she asked for a restraining order in that incident, so it's all very confusing. But she said that they had been good since then. She was happy. She missed Christian. She loved waking up to him. He would shower her with love in the mornings. And this statement is at least believed to be true, that they were doing okay because even Christian's videos state so. Christian walks back in the door with their subway and Courtney is waiting for him, not the food. She is so upset about this location sharing thing being off. She even admits later that she overreacted a bit and that the fight was completely pointless. According to her, though, the minute Christian walked in through the door, she said something very petty along the lines of, so are you going to reshare your location with me or not? And he's like, "Okay, fine, I'll share it with you. But what about you? You also have it turned off. And she's like, oh, why would I do that? Because the other day when you were done with me, and then I guess she was like, okay, fine, I'll reshare it. They're bickering, they're arguing a bit, but they sit down, eat their Subway. And as they're eating, they're kind of snapping at each other. They end up resharing their locations, but Courtney was still being very petty. And in an emotional moment, Christian stated, why don't you just find one of those guys in a G-Wagon? Now, side note, this is something that Courtney had said in a petty fight. She insinuated that she was the breadwinner and she was the conventionally attractive one, so she could go out and just find a guy in a chi wagon if she really wanted to. Which is a very expensive car, I think like two hundred thousand dollars. This comment somehow led to things escalating. According to Courtney, she and Christian ended up just fighting and Christian pinned her up against the wall, holding her by her throat. She said she was choking and screaming that she couldn't breathe. Apparently, Christian did not react. Courtney starts to hit him to get him off of her, and again, this is her story. She also adds that he attempted to strangle her multiple times prior to pinning her up against the wall, which is kind of pertinent later. Also, for reference, Courtney is 5'8 and 116 pounds. Christian is 6 feet, 210 pounds. He finally drops her and she falls to the ground. Christian is pissed. She said that he was talking through his teeth, making it hard for her to understand what he was saying. Courtney said that she was terrified. She ran and grabbed her phone that was charging in the kitchen, called her mom at 4.43 p.m. This is about 10 minutes after Christian walked in with Subway. Her mom is telling her on speakerphone that they're too toxic. They shouldn't be together. Courtney said that this really pissed off Christian. Christian. Because maybe this wasn't the first time she called her mom during a fight. And it is kind of strange behavior for sure. Like, I can't imagine if we were fighting and you just called your mom and put her on speakerphone. And she's like, Stephanie, you got to stop doing this. I think I'd be very confused and upset. Now, according to Courtney, she's in the kitchen talking to her mom and Christian was near the couch. She said that she was getting scared because she couldn't see the whites of his eyes because he was so angry. She said he was she was terrified. She grabbed one of the kitchen knives that her mom had gifted her for Christmas, which if you're getting knives as presents, they're pretty high quality knives. This one was like a very expensive knife. It had a serrated blade to it, but it wasn't blunt and almost softer like a bread knife. It looked like a high-quality knife that you used to cut steaks and meats. She said that she just wanted to hold it to scare Christian. She claimed she said, Don't come anywhere close to me. She said she had no intention of using this knife. She just wanted to scare him, but it didn't work. She claims Christian started aggressively charging towards her. She flung the knife at him, didn't even think about where it would land or how it would land, just threw it and repeatedly stated she didn't stab him. She said, I didn't stab him. He was about 10 feet away. I threw the knife and he he fell down. According to her story, he was still very close to the couch. She ran over to him, still on the phone with her mom, and she's screaming, Oh my God, oh my God, what did I do? What did I do? He was the one that told her to call someone. She's on the phone with her mom when she threw the knife. Her mom could hear her and both of them freaking out. The two moved to the laundry closet, though, just dragging blood everywhere. Like, I don't know if they had a kit there or something to stop the bleeding, perhaps, but it's just odd. Christian is bleeding a lot, and she said she kept telling him about his mom and grandma to get him to stay with her. He kept trying to lay down and close his eyes. She also stated that the knife had come out of his chest. She said, if you watch Game of Thrones or anything, you know not to pull it out. Referring to the knife, I think. I don't know. Maybe he pulled it out or maybe it fell out. Maybe she's trying to explain the excessive bleeding that um, Christian had. It was a lot of bleeding. So the knife actually hit an artery. At around 4.46 p.m., other residents in the apartment were calling security to report a domestic dispute and crazy loud shouting. At around 4.49 p.m., the call with Courtney's mom gets disconnected. Courtney calls her back. They finally hang up at 4.56 p.m. And it was only at 4.57 p.m. after hanging up with her mom that Courtney calls 911. Wait, how long has that been? Like 10 minutes. Are you freaking kidding me? And again, maybe this timeline will be debunked later on. This is kind of like law enforcement's tentative timeline before the trial that's been released. So if this timeline is proven to be 100% true, it's really bad. They arrive and rush Christian to the hospital, but he's still pronounced dead at the hospital. They could not save him. He was just 27 years old. There are photos released by the police of the couple's apartment. I don't think I'm gonna show them in the YouTube video, but if you guys are watching Spotify Rotten Mingo videos, it might be on there because it's incredibly graphic the couple's apartment is soaked in blood it's it's also extremely messy it's unclear if the mess was a result of a fight or if it was just always this messy but even just the blood it it's everywhere and there is a lot of blood there's also a tmz video of courtney in her underwear with her hair down just completely drenched in blood The video was recorded from someone in the opposite building who had direct view into Courtney's unit. What? This video has been picked apart by netizens. So this is when police get there and they're, you know, worried and focused on Christian mainly. Where someone from a complete different building was recording into her building. Mm -hmm. Courtney is trying to calm her dogs down. She seems a lot more focused on her dogs than she is on Christian, which people thought was very telling. I'm not a body language expert, okay? I just don't know. It is... Weird. It's pretty easy to guess that Courtney would probably not be home right away, maybe at least not the night, right? Like, she's going to be taken to the police station. So her mom texts her to mention self-defense to the police and to not speak with anyone without a lawyer present. I don't think Courtney ever saw this message, because the interrogation is a mess. Courtney does try to get an attorney, but for some reason, she doesn't outright ask for one, maybe. See, that's the thing with police. Okay, they make you feel really guilty. If you ask for an attorney, bite the bullet, feel guilty. Not that I'm trying to help Courtney, but you get it. She also just keeps asking for her dad and she's saying, oh, I need to talk to my dad so my dad can get me an attorney. But the detectives, this part I do not appreciate, they just persuade her against it and they argue that since she never flat out said, I want an attorney, they kept questioning her. And with enough pressure, Courtney starts talking. Throughout the interrogation, Courtney continues to ask how Christian is doing. And this is really bizarre, okay? But an officer is like, oh, Christian is fine right now. Like, we talked to him. And she's like, well, she says, we talked to the victim. He's fine. She said, oh, thank God. So they don't have to do surgery. Thank God. The detective is like, well, I'm not quite sure, but we'll find out later. Will I get the chance to see him today? Wait, so does the detective know that he has passed? Um, this is like right before he passes. Oh, okay, okay. So Courtney is asking, Will I get to see him today? And the detective is like, Who? Christian. This part is wild. But the detective goes, Who is that? Oh, the victim. Yes, the victim. I don't know if I'm the victim, but he's definitely the victim today. And the detective is like, Sorry, they didn't give me his name. Okay, this whole like both sides are bizarre to me. The fact that the detective did not know his name bizarre also the fact that she's like i don't know if i'm the victim but like yeah the victim today usually when someone is stabbed they're the victim but like what is social etiquette right so throughout the interrogation the police were able to pinpoint a few inconsistencies in courtney's story, such as if he was strangling you why did he just let you go so you could run into the kitchen Then later, she would say she threw the knife and then she changed it to I flung the knife. Courtney was crying throughout the interrogation. She frequently asked about Christian's date, which a lot of people say, oh, she's a caring girlfriend. But more people say no, because she ends up saying something along the lines of she doesn't say this part, but like, If he passes, that's a lot worse for me. But at the end of the day, that's a lot worse for everyone. Saying, basically, if Christian passes, it would be a lot worse for her legally, judicially. So it shows that perhaps her interest in Christian's well-being is a bit more selfish than we're led to believe. Courtney also brings up a few things during the interrogation. She brings up an incident where she claims Christian was trying to self-harm. She said that she was freaking out trying to help him, but she was so scared for his life. So after all these hours of getting information out of Courtney, they finally inform her that Christian has passed. She does seem upset. She does seem genuinely upset compared to some of the bizarre interrogations we've seen. But she also oddly asks for a hug. She's like, can I get a hug? Yeah, and then she's like, or can I get my mom to come give me a hug? I don't know. It's a bit odd. She also states, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and it's going to be the same thing, huh? Last time I ever talked to him, last time anyone ever talked to him, last time he, last thing he fucking ate was Subway. I swear I was holding him for so effing long. The security lady was just standing there and I just kept thinking, why is it taking so long? He's just bleeding and bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. Courtney also asks if Christian's family have been called to come to Florida for his body. She states that his birthday is in eight days and most of his family is in Texas or Nigeria. Now, I bring this up because the police have been heavily criticized for the way that they handle the victim's family. Side note, the cops ask Courtney for Christian's parents' names, and she blanks out, and she's silent. And she says, you know, he told me, and I met her multiple times, referring to his mom, but I'm just so horrible with names. She didn't even remember his brother's name. Which, again, maybe it could be shock, because this is just hours after what happened, but it, it does strike a lot of people as odd. Courtney does give her consent for the officers to search her house, but ultimately, what is shocking to everyone is that Courtney was not arrested. In fact, she would not be arrested for a very long time. And after the death of her boyfriend... Courtney continued posting on OnlyFans. She made about $40,000 since Christian's death and her final arrest, which drew so much criticism. Okay, some people that are on Courtney's side in support of her, they argue that she probably had assistants that had things pre-filmed and were scheduled to go up. I don't know how the OF platform works, but I know how other social media platforms work. You can go in and deschedule them to go up. And even if your assistants are in charge of it, you are free. You have communication with them. I just think out of general respect for the victim's family, I would not be posting. And she had a lot of money saved up, like millions of dollars, liquid cash. So this is not a situation where it's like, hey, Stephanie, you can say that, but someone needs to pay rent. She had the ability to. I just think it's weird. Just five days after Christian's death, Courtney was spotted at a bar with her dad. A woman was following this case in Florida, saw them, and she was infuriated. She started filming them, and she's heard saying to Courtney, Yeah, you should go because you just killed your boyfriend. Yeah, you did. Courtney is upset, and she is seen leaving the bar with her dad, clearly angry. Her lawyer will later state, Courtney was there for a night out with her father who simply wanted to pop in and have a drink in private. They were disrupted by this woman who started filming. Courtney's friends also came to her defense to argue that this bar is right underneath Courtney's apartment complex, so it's not like they drove to a bar to get drunk. And near the end of the video, she's yelling at the woman filming, like, you have no idea he tried to kill me. Look, regardless of what comes out during the trial, I do think this bar situation is bizarre. Like, you can have a drink at home. I also think it's really disrespectful for both of them to be at a bar. Like, let's say let's say for somehow, some way, shape, or form, this truly comes out to be a case of self-defense, I still can't imagine going to a bar or thinking that's appropriate because at the end of the day, a life was still taken. And even in most self-defense cases, the victims or the person who, and I'm not saying this was a self-defense case, but I'm just saying, you know, hypothetically, if it is, the people who end up taking a life, they don't feel justified typically. They don't feel like, well, it was self-defense, so I'm just going to move on with my life. They're usually so traumatized, especially if it's someone as close to them as their romantic partner. And I also think that it's kind of telling about her family. Like, my dad would probably smack me if I tried to do that. Like, I I just don't think it's, I just don't think it's correct. Christian's family were very disappointed to see that Courtney was not only a free woman, but she was almost publicly flaunting her freedom. It just felt really gross and really disrespectful. Even a lot of people who initially supported Courtney saw this and felt like it was a lack of remorse that was showing through. Now, as the trial date is coming to head, it is clear that both sides are coming in, sinking their feet in. The prosecutors with the evidence that she is an abuser and killed Christian and the defense painting a more complicated picture where they had a toxic relationship. But ultimately, Courtney is the victim of domestic violence and she defended herself that day as self-defense. They will most likely say that she was in fear for her life, and there are just a lot of conflicting statements out there. Some neighbors do state that anytime they saw Courtney alone, she was so happy, but whenever Christian was around, she seemed very distraught. Another neighbor said that they saw Christian grab Courtney by the arm. A third neighbor said they saw Christian punch Courtney in the head once, and as mentioned earlier, the employees of the lobby said they saw Christian charging at Courtney in the lobby the day that the police came. But on the other end. A lot of mutual friends said Courtney was the main aggressor. They said she was the one throwing punches all the time. There were other neighbors that would back up these statements by saying that Courtney was always abusive to Christian. I'm sure that as Courtney's trial begins, we're going to see a lot more witnesses come out to testify considering, you know, how public their fights have been. But the thing is, another thing to note, Courtney does have an extensive history with law enforcement that I think needs to be mentioned. When she was still a minor and living in Austin, Texas with her family, she had gotten into a huge fight with her mom, and it's unclear what the fight was about or how it escalated, but we do know that the sheriff's office was called to the home. Then in 2015, Courtney had a warrant out for her arrest for public intoxication. She was only 18 years old and had to spend three days in jail. Three years later, Courtney was back in Austin, got into a car accident, and there are documents to show that she is being sued by the woman that was involved in the crash. The lawsuit was settled out of court, but it's speculated that maybe, and again, this is all speculatory, that Courtney was drunk driving. There is no proof to back up these speculations. September 16th, 2020, Courtney was arrested in Austin, Texas for crashing her Mercedes. The police rushed to the scene and found an empty bottle of tequila in her car. Her alcohol limit was three times the legal amount, and she had to pay an $8,000 bond. She was forced to install a device in her car that measures her alcohol blood levels in the body before she can even drive the worst part is courtney had to show up to court for a dui charge she ends up being a no-show in court like what this is not biology class that's kind of wild to not show up to a dui court hearing she she said later that she was advised by her lawyers to not show up because she was high when her court hearing was scheduled her lawyers thought it would be better for her to just altogether not show up rather than show up high A previous boyfriend of Courtney's would come out and say that he felt threatened while he was dating Courtney. He said that she had pulled out a knife on him on more than one occasion. And he said, and I quote, she attempted to stab me. And remember the speculations that she was the one responsible for breaking her ex-boyfriend Sean's jaw? Mm -hmm. Again, we don't know. A lot of these are speculations, but it's just a lot. Now, one of Courtney's friends would later post a podcast after Courtney's situation. And she states that Christian was stealing money from Courtney and that's why Courtney was upset, which side note, I don't think that was that smart of the friend to do that. Yeah, cuz that just gave her motive. Yeah, I think she was trying to exonerate her and show her as this amazing girlfriend that like does all these great things for her boyfriend and her boyfriend is stealing her money, but it just adds more motive to Courtney of why she would kill Christian but she continues I've met Christian a few times and I've seen them in altercations already I do believe that Courtney had substance abuse problems and I've seen it firsthand but her boyfriend always sat there watched it and just kind of laughed about it this type of abuse is always overlooked maybe you should get this person some help before something happens Okay, a couple of things. Okay, a couple of things. This case is so complicated and I'm so stressed out researching about it because I'm almost sitting here trying to feel and make sure that I have no biases in my system, right? And I do think one thing is clear, okay? Just because there is a woman... Doesn't mean we need to support them, all right? Because I'm just thinking about this one statement and I don't know why it got to me. And I'm like, okay, Stephanie, think about it if it were the other way around. If a guy is sitting there and is saying like, well, the girlfriend should have gotten him help because he has substance abuse problems. I'd probably be flipping a table. So it's just, I guess it was just a kind of a bizarre statement. So I'm like, I, I keep feeling one type of way and then I'm like wait but then like what if it's a bias and then I'm like no but then it's so it's just such a messy case because both parties are really leaning into it the prosecutor and the defense they're leaning into these biases it's just Yeah, I guess the defense is leaning into the bias that women, domestic violence, abuse victims that are women are led to feel crazy. They feel like they're the ones that are always trying to protect their abusers, even when it makes them look bad. It's just a lot. Now, another thing that adds another layer of complexity to the case are some of Christian's old tweets have resurfaced. And I don't want to sugarcoat it, but he wrote specifically about his preference for white women, which I guess would be fine had he not made a lot of disturbing comments about black women. Some of the tweets read, Once again, I'm tired of these black girls in my government class. The way black girls disgrace themselves on TV. I can't believe one of my friends think I talk to black girls when I don't. I want a white girl help. A lot of these tweets made a lot of people understandably upset i personally don't think it's my place to dictate how a black woman or anyone else should feel about these tweets as i feel like i have no place in this conversation and i do think that these tweets are heinous and should not be taken lightly i do see some people talking about this case and saying this is what christian gets for choosing a white girl race aside race aside because i don't have a place in this conversation race aside I just can't imagine what it would feel like to be Christian's family reading that regardless of race, like doesn't matter what race he is. I just feel like that would be really difficult for a victim's family to read those types of mean things. I also have seen a lot of discourse of black women, not feeling lifted up by black men. So I do think that again, there's just a lot of levels to this conversation that I just have no place in now. Beyond this, beyond all of this, beyond the witness statements, there is one thing that I think will be very interesting is to see how the defense will react to the autopsy results. Because Christian was found with a sharp force injury. The knife was plunged three inches deep into his chest. Apparently, experiments on cadavers showed that it took about 12 pounds of force. And to get through the muscle and the arteries, the examiners believe that the depth and angle would have been caused by a face-to-face stab. Kind of going like this. Now, they speculate that this is not something that could have happened when you throw a knife 10 feet away. But they also put a disclaimer that they are not knife-throwing experts nor do they know how good Courtney is at throwing knives. So all of this is piling up. Courtney has still not been arrested. She was posting every day on OF and she was in freaking Hawaii. So Right after the death of her boyfriend, she moves to Austin, Texas to be with her family again. But from there, she was sent to a mental facility rehab in Hawaii. This is top of the top rehabs in the United States. $35,000 a month. The rehab claims that it's a luxurious private 8-bed holistic addiction center that hopes the deeply caring staff and surrounding natural beauty offer an unparalleled healing experience. Yeah, for $35,000 a month, it better do that and more. But Courtney was said to have been diagnosed with severe alcohol use disorder, cocaine disorder, and PTSD. I just can't imagine the anger that Christian's family must have felt when she was in Hawaii. They said the way that they found out about Christian's death was absolutely disgusting. Christian's mom was at work when she got a call from a Miami medical examiner who was just like, Hi, we want to know if you give permission to donate your son's organs what she was so shocked this is the first nobody called her to what do you alert mean, the police didn't call no why i thought it's by law they have to call yeah but i guess they called first because they're like do you want to donate your son's organ she wow. was floored and when she was shocked and she thought they had the wrong number they verified it's christian and they're like oh my god you mean nobody from the medical examinations examinations office called you I think that is one of the most disrespectful things I've heard in a while. It is so disgusting. Like, I get it. Systematical errors happen. But with something like this, come on. And it gets worse. The family just wanted answers. So they keep contacting the detectives in charge of this case. And the detective was just brushing them off and giving them excuses like, you guys need to give me time to do my job. Then he finally called and said, I'm going to close the case. It's been like less than 24 hours since Christian died. He's like, hey, I'm giving you guys a courtesy call because I think I'm going to close the case. It was self-defense. It's very clear the detectives did not handle this case well. They didn't even, so remember how Courtney said it was self-defense because she was getting strangled? They didn't even take pictures of Courtney's neck because remember, that is literally what her whole self-defense case at the time, I don't know if it's changing right now, was relying on. They didn't think to take pictures or log her injuries. And I cannot help. The victim's family cannot help. And most people online cannot help but feel like this is a racial issue. Because the victim is a black man. There is so much racism surrounded of black people being more aggressive. And she's like, oh, he was so aggressive. He was attacking me. And then we have a white woman who is crying. Honestly, I can totally see it. I can totally see it. Even just the way that they are handling the victim's family is so disrespectful. It is, I think it's just so gross. So he basically just took her words and period, that's yeah, it? No investigation, no reason? didn't even take pictures of her neck. Like that to me is crazy. That to me is like, you actually are not no. investigating. Yeah, you are yeah, not, yeah. like you have a story in your head. You're confirming it with her words. To me, you're not investigating. You're not trying to dig deeper. You're not trying to get all the evidence. Take a look at it from an objective standpoint. You're not investigating. The family believe under no circumstances was Courtney justified in using deadly force. And they were devastated to find out that they were trying to rule it as self-defense. But not only that, Courtney and her legal team have really painted a nasty picture of this case. And I think a lot of people who read certain articles also have a one-sided view of this case. And maybe that was the situation with Julia Fox, but a lot of it feels racist. Courtney has also insinuated that not only was she a victim of domestic violence, but a victim of human trafficking, basically insinuating that he was pimping her out. Can you imagine being Christian's family? Like, can you imagine? A lot of people who knew Christian said, you could see the change in him after he started dating Courtney. He was bright, bubbly, and then after he started dating her, he's always stressed. It's like a full-time job dating her. A lot of people argued that Christian was in it for Courtney's money, but they said, yeah, no, if you saw the way that she explodes on him in public places, and restaurants, smacking him around, I don't think anyone would stay for that kind of money. Like nobody. So August 10th, 2022, four months after Christian's death, Courtney was detained and extradited back to Florida. She was charged with second degree murder with a deadly weapon. Her defense team got right to work and Christian's family said that they were devastated to learn that her defense was throwing out all of these allegations against Christian. And again, I think that this case has been kind of tricky to cover because I think with the evidence that we've been provided so far, it is pretty damaging to Courtney But we still don't know for sure what's going to come out during court. But I think one thing is clearer. Nobody deserves to die. And I think the way that people are justifying it have been bizarre online. And another thing is, I don't know. And again, maybe this is biased, but I watched a Dr. Phil episode with Christian's family. Yeah, that one is just really, really rough to watch. But I do think it is um, something to note and a lot of Christian's family and friends have noted this, but you know, we have been seeing video and audio tape after audio tape of a black man being calm, rational, and patient and a white woman being irrational, erratic, violent, and unhinged. And yet there is still a debate online as of right now about if they were both abusive or if maybe he was more abusive than her which I think says a lot. Like, I think if the tables were turned, if it was just, even if Christian was, was the woman in this situation, I don't know, maybe things would also be different. It's just a lot. So... As always, there hasn't been a trial. We don't know the full story. Also, there is another shady aspect to this case. Sorry, last thing. Right before she was arrested, she transferred all of her funds to her dad's bank accounts. And her father, Kim, said it was because Courtney could not take care of her own finances. But others say it was a ploy for them to bury her money so that she, if she was ever sued by Christian's family for wrongful death, they would not be able to get their hands on her money. As of December 2022, Courtney was rejected bail and her trial is set to start sometime this year. But what are your thoughts on this case? Were you kind of shocked that it took so long to arrest her? I mean, it's one thing to be innocent till proven guilty, but there have been so many cases where self-defense has been clearer, like so clear, but they're still arrested that day and treated like a killer. Do you think it's race? Do you think it's wealth? Do you think it's all of these things? What did you think of her interrogation? Let me know and please stay safe. I will see you guys on Wednesday for the main episode. Bye.